So, it's Mother's Day, and so I thought we should talk about dads. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're going to talk about honoring your mother this morning, and uh, it is uh, not only appropriate because we're celebrating that day today, but it's a command of the Lord in his word. So if you want to go ahead and flip your Bibles up into Deuteronomy 5.16, do that and give me a second. And just to share a little something with you too before we start, I read a book recently called Expository Listening by Ken Ramey. I just want to say it three more times. Expository Listening by Ken Ramey. You should look it up, Expository Listening by Ken Ramey. And maybe look on your Amazon right now, Expository Listening by Ken Ramey. Uh, it was a short little book, but it was a great, a great call, a great reminder. Uh, he goes through the Bible and just uh, looks at how many times the Word of God, how many times the Lord calls his people, uh, Israel, the church, all throughout Scripture, uh, to listen, to listen intently to his Word, to come when, when God speaks, to, to be aware of what is happening and, and to listen purposefully with the intent of changing and of doing, of practicing. And uh, that's always our intention. And, uh, you know, it's convicting to me, and I just want to share it with you as someone who sits out there every week with you guys listening to the Word of God uh, being explained. It's easy to sit there and, uh, I mean, just to, to wander in your mind, to play with different apps, things like that, uh, or just to be like, well, I've heard this before, I understand it. But it's our call as the children of God, when the word of God is spoken, to listen with intent purpose of God changing us and examining our hearts to see the things with us that need to go and to see the, 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 the commands of the Lord and then to submit to those things. So I, like I said, I just want to share that with you. Expository listening, Ken Ramey, look it up. It's, I feel like it's one of those things we should all uh, read. So... We are going to be speaking this morning on honoring your mother. And, you know, Mother's Day really is a blessing. We live in a nation uh, that in the midst of a decaying culture that desires to eradicate and or redefine marriage, uh, we still have a day every year where we actually honor and exalt one of the pillars of the family, one of the pillars of of, uh, the family relationship. And when we look at it, I mean, of course we all, I mean, saved or unsaved, believer or unbeliever, we, we know that our existence is dependent upon our mothers. If it were not for our mothers, none of us would be here. But then as Christians, biblically, when we look at the Word of God, you know, we see mothers and fathers have a very extraordinary and terrifying role in the lives of their children. If you look at it biblically, we're called as fathers and mothers to discipline, to instruct our children so that they know, so they believe in Jesus Christ, to teach our children the Word of God diligently at all times, speaking it and living it out so that they both hear it and they see it in our lives. So they know the Lord. They know his ways. They can understand his character and his nature by the words that have come forth from our lips as parents and the way that they see us live our lives, even when we sin, humbling ourselves and, and, and showing them an example of repentance and humility. So it's a wonderful and fearful responsibility for any mother to care for her household, to submit to her husband, to raise her children to know the Lord, and to go through the experience of the suffering of childbirth. No wonder God commands his people to honor their fathers and their mothers. So today we're going to look at Deuteronomy 5.16. We're going to start there. We're going to see God's command for his people to honor their mothers, and we're going to jump into the New Testament, to three specific places, and examine two places where Christ actually admonishes people for not honoring their parents, and then one place where Paul exhorts children to honor their mothers. So read with me Deuteronomy 5.16. Deuteronomy 5.16. The Lord says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. Now before we even try to understand what this means, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning to understand his word and for it to change our lives. Lord, we thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your kindness and your love and your patience with us. Father, we know apart from the spirit of God dwelling within our hearts, we have no capability of knowing you or knowing your word. It's through the gift of your Holy Spirit that we are able to understand you, to know you, to know the mind, the will, the nature, the ways of God, to have the mind of Christ. And we pray this morning, help us, Father, to, to, to put away things within us that distract us, that keep us from you, to, to listen intently to your word. And Father, we pray that you would do your work within us through the power of your Spirit to help us to see the things within us that need to change and help us to change and to walk out these doors different than the way we walked in. Pray, God, help us to be submissive 
to have open ears, open eyes, and an open heart to hear your word. We pray this in your heavenly name. Amen. Well, these words that Moses spoke in Deuteronomy 5.16 is basically Moses giving a sermon, recalling things that happened 40 years earlier at at, uh, Mount Sinai uh, when the Israelites had come out of Egypt. And God appeared at Mount Sinai in fire that that reached to the heavens and in darkness and, and thick gloom. And God spoke audibly to the Israelites. And Moses came up on that mountain and God spoke to Moses and God gave Moses the law. He told Moses his word and he explained to Moses how the Israelites were to live. In Exodus twenty twelve, we have the actual account where God tells the people of Israel, honor your father and your mother in, uh, so that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. This word honor is a big word. When we think of honor, we think of reverence, which is true. We think of, of respect. But the word means to, to, to give weight to, to, to ascribe heaviness to the position of motherhood. God's word alone gives it weight, right? When the Lord speaks and commands that we love our mothers, there is a weight given immediately because God said this that, that calls us uh, to a place where we must honor our mothers and it cannot be ignored. But like I said, if you just look at it naturally, we are all indebted to our mothers for our own lives. She birthed us, she sustained us, trained us, comforted us, fed us, nourished us, provided for us. And she's been the means and the conduit of God's grace to us, for us, whether saved or unsaved. God uses our mothers to, to, to bless us with his grace in this life. If she's a God-fearing woman and her prayers have kept you, her diligent submissive life has been an example of Christ's likeness and her consistent teaching of God's word has been for your salvation and your sanctification. There's a weight and a heaviness of her position that demands our respect and our honor. And even if in our own judgment we can look at our particular mother and consider her to be unworthy of honor, whether it be her character, her behavior, some circumstance that has happened in our families that has caused us to feel like she is unworthy of my honor, then we're still faced with the command and the demand of God for all of those who take his name to honor their mother. And if we're willing to circumvent the command of God because of whatever, our experience, us being hurt, emotional things, whatever it may be, then we have to understand that a willing disobedience to the commands of the Lord means one of two things. You're either currently abiding under his wrath or your willing disobedience means that you're willingly or you're, you're currently sitting under the discipline, the disciplining hand of your father until we submit to, in humility, the commands that he has given to us to honor our mothers. Now for the Israelites, they understood this because for the Israelites, their obedience or disobedience was, was directly connected to blessings and curses that God gave to them. And in fact, their obedience to the Lord was an indication of their faith, that they were of the faith. In Exodus 19, five through six, he says to them, right before he says, honor your father and mother, he says, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's the whole point of Israel. God brought them out, made them his possession, made them a kingdom of priests, made them a holy nation, and then said, if you obey me, you will be my own possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God set Israel apart as his nation. They were to be distinct in their character, in their government, and in their worship. That's what Exodus through Deuteronomy is all about. Honoring their father and mother was a mandate for his people because his people were to reflect his nature and exemplify his truth to the world. The character and the nature, the will, the way, the purpose of God is that all of his people would honor their mothers. That is what the Lord desires. And for the church, for the church, the same statement is reiterated as a glorious promise to be fulfilled during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. In Revelation 20, verse 6, it says, Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. The Lord will bring all of his children Whether they came before Israel, during the time of Israel, during the time of the church, or post-church in the tribulation, God will bring all of his children to this place where we will be priests of God. We will reign with him for a thousand years when Christ returns and reigns on this earth. 
And only those who have honored their mothers will be in this crowd. And all of those who are in this crowd strive, strove, whatever, hard in this life to honor their mothers, despite what they felt, despite what their judgment was, submitting to the word of God. Honoring your father and mother always has been and always will be the will of God. It's an indicator that Christ is working in you currently and that you will one day be with him permanently. In fact, honoring and respecting, revering, loving your mother and father is part of being holy. If you flip over to Leviticus 19, two through four, he says, speak to the congregations of the son of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall reverence his mother and father. The first thing, that comes out of the lips of the Lord through Moses after he calls them to be holy is reverence your father and your mother. Reverence, honor, respect, ascribing weightiness and the appropriate humble response towards our mothers is an example of holiness and it's the fruit of holiness in our lives and it's the means of becoming holy as we fight against our desires, judgments, whatever it may be that we feel allows us not to honor our parents. It's not a superficial etiquette because you grew up in the South either. It's a heartfelt desire to submit to the word of God and to bestow honor and weightiness to your mother in a way that reveres her and respects her. Submission and obedience to the command of the Lord to honor your father and mother is a direct indication that the spirit of God is dwelling within you and working. And it is always the will of the father for his children to honor their mothers. So today we're going to look at three New Testament passages that talk about this very verse and call us to honor our mothers. The first place we're going to look at is in, well, we'll look at it in a second. Matthew uh, 15 and Mark 7 is one of the places we're going to look at. Let me say it that way. Where Jesus Christ admonishes the Pharisees for dishonoring their parents under the wicked disguise of honoring God more. We're going to look at Matthew 19, Luke, or maybe Luke 18, I can't remember, Mark 10, where Jesus admonishes the rich young ruler uh, about taking lightly the command of God than being too consumed with his own well-being. And we're also going to look at Ephesians 6 where Paul instructs the Ephesian Christians to imitate Jesus Christ by honoring the parents, specifically children obeying your parents. So flip with me. Let's start in uh, Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, where the first point of of today is children, honor your mother by obeying her. Honor your mother by obeying her. As you flip over there, one of the things that that is going to be behind every point we look at today is that pride and selfishness are always the cause for our disobedience and dishonor of our mothers. Sometimes we can disguise dishonor in many ways. We can disguise it in success, duty, family, responsibility, worshiping God. And and then this is very important. Very often we overestimate our efforts thinking that we're doing a good job and underestimate our failures and we convince ourselves that we're doing pretty good honoring our parents. But we don't want to do that this morning. We want to stop. We want to examine that we want to test our thoughts, our words, all of the things that happen, even in the dark, to see, are we honoring our mother? So Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3, says this. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. There's two imperative commands in this verse, two imperative commands to obey and to honor. To obey means to submit yourself under the instruction of your parents. It's to listen with the purpose of doing. I mean, that's what we're trying to do right now. As we listen to the word of God, we're putting ourselves under the hearing of his word with the intent of practice, with the intent of changing, with the intent of doing. And that's what it means to be a child, to listen to your parents, their instruction, and then to immediately put yourself under submission to that instruction in order to do it. The word honor here means to respect. It can mean to assist, to help, to support, to come alongside. And he says you are to obey and to honor. Those are commands given to us by the Lord, children. And because this is right. This is what God has said is right. God is the determiner of right and wrong. God is perfectly righteous in all that he does. And God has said that it is right for children to obey their parents and to honor their parents. And it actually comes with a warning. If you don't, it will not be well with you and you will not last long on the earth. Now, you could say, well, I know a, a dude that disobeyed his parents and lived to be 90 years old. But think about this. 90 is not long. 
when you look at eternity. Only those who do this thing will be here forever on this earth with Jesus Christ. You can live 180 years. You can do the whole, uh, uh, what's his name, Methuselah thing and, and last for a thousand years. And that is still minuscule in comparison to everlasting life with Jesus Christ. Don't undermine the command, the word of God, by any sort of logic or reason that you can come up with or you've seen an example in your life. Children of God, listen to the word of God. Obey your parents and submit to them. Honor and respect them. Now, all that being said, these verses come in context of, 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 of a greater call, a greater mandate, if you want to say it that way, that really sums the whole thing up, which is imitate God and imitate Jesus Christ. If you look at Ephesians, if you flip back to Ephesians 4 and you just start skimming through it, here's some of the main things that pop out in Ephesians 4 through 6 that this verse is just sitting in. Uh, the, the Lord calls us to live our lives in perfect balance with the standard and measure of Christ, to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, to be tolerant of others in love, striving for unity, making peace, growing each day in Christ's likeness by listening to and submitting to and obeying his word. He calls us not to live like the culture nor the world, to discard lies, to speak only edifying words, to be gracious, kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving in the same manner that Christ has forgiven us. In Ephesians 5, he goes on to tell us to be imitators of God as his beloved children, to walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for you. He goes on to say, do not be deceived by empty words. Anything different than what is coming out of the lips of the apostle, what is coming from the word of God is, 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 is foolishness. He says, be careful to live in wisdom. Make the most of your time. Understand the Lord's will. Be controlled by the Spirit of God. Be submissive. Be humble towards one another, just as Christ is. And then, he says, children, obey your parents. Honor your father and your mother. This is the nature and the character of Jesus Christ. It's what we just sang from Philippians 2. The nature, the attitude, the heart of Jesus Christ. That he is humble, selfless that he is kind, that he is gracious. He submitted himself to his father's will and even subjected himself to our wicked judgment and died on a cross for his own enemies. And we are called to be in that way, to honor our father and our mother in the same way that God honors his father. It's the commandment that God has given to us in Exodus 20. And even in his humanity, this is the character and the nature of Jesus Christ as a child. If you look at Luke 2, 51 through 52, it says that Jesus, he went down with them, speaking of Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth. This is when he's about 12 years old. And he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. This is what Christ is like. The boy, Jesus Christ, always obeyed his parents always subjected himself, continued in subjection to them, was a blessing to his mother and his father, and increased in the wisdom and stature, or in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and men in his obedience. To honor his parents, he honored also his father, God, by obeying what God had told all of us to do. So, how does this apply to us? By obeying and honoring and assisting, helping your parents, children, you are glorifying God. As you obey and help, assist and honor your parents, you are also going to see, as the Lord shows you, the depth of your own pride, your own selfish desires, your discontentment with what you've been called to do, envy, anger, all kinds of things. And in doing so, as you fight to obey and to honor your mom and dad, the Lord will use this to sanctify you and transform you, to cause you to become more holy, to cause you to be more like him, to cause you to be more submissive, and to cause your character to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Children, as you obey and honor your parents, you will also be used as an instrument of God to exemplify Jesus Christ to your own father and mother. As you obey and as you submit, as you listen and put yourself under the subjection to, with a desire to honor and to obey, because the Lord has called you to do that, you become a living example to all of us big people of what it looks like to be like Christ. Because that's what Christ did. So if your parents are believers, you'll sanctify them through your own obedience. If your parents are believers, you will cause them to be humble as you humble yourself. 
And if your parents are unbelievers, you will become the first and foremost living example of Christ in that household. So you must obey your parents in the Lord. It is right and it is good. Honor your father and mother and live with Jesus Christ forever. Second point is this. Next two points come in the negative. The second point is do not dishonor your mother for temporary gain. Do not dishonor your mother for temporary gain. If you want to flip over to Luke 18, you can. As you flip there, you know, it's easy for us to look at the children. You're looking around right now and be like, yeah, yeah, children. You hear that? Obey. You got it? All right? But then we look at ourselves and we're like, well, you know what? I'm no longer under the authority of my parents. You know, I have leaved and weaved and cleaved, you know, and now I am my own family. You know, the men are like, I'm the authority of this household. And the women are like, I'm subjecting to him, not to her, you know? But we got to make sure in all of that, which is, there's truth in all of that, that we don't still miss this, this commandment. We have to be honest with ourselves. Obeying, actually, our mother is, is, is easy when we're in the household. Being obedient to the Lord to honor our mother after we have left the household is harder. And when we get older, we get much more crafty. And, and we devise many clever ways to dishonor our parents and to disobey the Lord. And I think a good example of this is the rich young ruler in Luke 18. In Luke 18, the rich young ruler, this, this uh, will, by the way, you know, I, I've wondered this for a long time. Like, why do they call him the rich young ruler? Because if you read any of it, you don't see any of that, or you don't see all of that. He's young. We know that from Matthew 19. He's a ruler from Luke 18. We're going to read that in a second. And he's rich. We know that from Matthew 19, Mark 10, and Luke 18. Put them all together, you got the account of the rich young ruler. And it's good to know that because uh, it, it says a lot about who he is and what is going on. In Luke 18, in Luke 18, starting in verse 18, Jesus is speaking, it says, And a ruler questioned him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Well, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone, and you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And then he, the rich young ruler, said, All these things I have kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you lack still. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when he had heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God and they who heard it said, then, then who can be saved? And he said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. Here you have an ambitious, successful young man with a desire to take care of himself, both materially and spiritually. He's grown up in the faith, obviously in some capacity. He's practiced some sort of moral living, a righteous living, a desire to do the things of God, even from his youth, so he's grown up this way. And now he's older, and he wants assurance. Though he grew up, you know, like many of you guys, in the church, though he had practiced many of these things in some capacity, he still lacked some sort of assurance. He's taking care of himself here. He's rich. He's got authority in some capacity. But he wants to know that he'll be taken care of eternally. And that's where the question comes from. And the first thing Jesus does is he corrects, he corrects his theology. He thinks that Jesus is good, and he assesses himself in the same way. He looks at both Jesus and himself, Jesus as a man and he himself and what he has done, and, and they're, both, they're both good. He's lowered the standard of goodness to an achievable level, and what Jesus does is he raises the bar back up to the place where it needs to stay, to perfect holiness, perfect obedience to the Lord, and then he answers his question of achievement. When Jesus said, no one is good but God, and do these things, the very first thing that should have come out of the, the, the lips of that young man should have been, teacher, to do all of that perfectly all the time, even in my mind and my thoughts, is absolutely impossible. I, I can never have eternal life. Help me. The people that were sitting there got that. They said, if this is the standard, then how can anyone be saved? And Jesus didn't say, well, do what I told him. Just obey those commandments. You'll be good. He, he gets to the heart and he says, it's impossible. What's po- impossible to men is only possible with God. 
The rich young ruler was unable to see the impossibility of salvation and or he, he saw it, was un, uh, unwilling to let go of the things he had in life and leaves. And Jesus knew his heart. He saw the pride. He saw the selfish ambition. He saw the idolatry. That there was something of this earth. There was something of this life. Whether it was his position, whether it was his wealth, and the wealth is the, 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 the foremost thing because that's what Christ comments on. Whatever it was, there was something keeping him from submitting to the word of the Lord, and from, from doing the very thing that God had called him to do at that point. He gave him three imperative commands. Again, three imperatives there. And he says, sell, give, follow. That's all. All the stuff you have, sell. Because Jesus knew that's where the idol was. And then give it to the poor. Don't sell it and keep the money so that you can have, you can, you can, you can be okay in the future. Give it away. And then, follow me. Forsake your idols. Let go of this life and follow me alone. That's the message. The main point of the encounter is that salvation is impossible with man to achieve and only possible by the work of God through Jesus Christ. We must give up this life to attain eternal life. And if we cherish this life, we will forfeit eternity. That's the point. Now, in the midst of that, there are some principles that we need to take home with us. First and foremost, one principle within this story is do not belittle the weighty commandments of God because of your own selfish pride, ambition, or lowered standards. God commands us to honor our mothers. Don't take that, redefine it by what you think honoring your mother is, and then feel like you nailed it, and you've got that commandment. Let's move on to the next one. What else must I do? That's what the rich young ruler is doing. Honor your parents, got that one. No adultery, sweet, did that. You know, no coveting, got it. All right, what's next? We do that all the time. We need to make sure that we honestly assess ourselves, And the way to do that is compare yourself to Jesus Christ. God calls us to honor our father and our mother. Look at the example that Christ has given and do you meet that standard? If we are honest, everyone in here should immediately say, no. And then say, how in the world can I do that? If, if, if that's the standard, then how can any man be saved? And it's only possible through what Christ has done. Think about it. Do you honor your mother by praying for her regularly? Do you honor your mother in the way that you think of her and speak of her, especially to your spouse when you're alone and no one is around? Do you honor your mother by making time for her and making the most of that time when you are with her? Not just being present and being like, all right, checked it off. I was with mom this week. But when you're with her, making the most of every thought and every word, striving to give her honor and loving her. Do you come alongside her to love her, to support her, to respect her in the way that God commands? What about this? If we asked your mother and said, Does your child do that? Would your mother say, the way my child honors me is clearly reflects the the love and the fear that he has for God. And I wish I had honored my parents the way my child honors me. That's what we want. We want our parents to look at us and to see Jesus Christ in the way that we honor them, the way that we respect them, revere them. And then ask yourself this, what keeps you from that? Is it your education? You're so busy with school, you're unable to to give her time, to pray for her, to be around her. Is it your job? Is it that desire? You gotta, you know, you gotta succeed in order to succeed. You gotta put in the hours and put in the hours. You you can't see your mom that often. Is it friends? Is it money? Is it hobbies? Is it entertainment? Is it desires to have more? What seems most important to you? What is more important in your life than honoring your mother? And flip it. That must be less and she must be more. Do you honor your mother more than you honor your boss, your pastor, teachers, celebrities? If you were talking to your mom, I don't know, some celebrity, I can't think of a name off the top of my head that that I should say, (laughs) comes walking into the door. I mean, would you drop mom and go and bow down to celebrity? I mean, think about it. Like, do you treat your mother with the same respect and honor as you, you do your boss? You do other men who have prestige in, in your company or that you know? We tend to honor people 
that they have that celebrity status, they have that place that we want something from them and we'll give them honor because we're desiring to get something from them or to be in their circle, whatever it may be. But then when it comes to mom, it's just mom. That's not the way God looks at it. God says, honor your father and your mother. Do not disobey and dishonor God for earthly success, for earthly security, stability, status, savings, anything. What is my excuse for disobeying this command to honor my mother? Well, I work all the time. I got kids, they got homework, we got sports, we got clubs. I got to hang out with my boss, my pastor, the mayor, important people. We got to, you know, I'm working my way up the ladder here. I just don't have time to see her. I don't have time to call her. I don't have time to think about her. I don't have time to pray about her or pray for her. I'm young, I'm ambitious, I got a lot going on. Mom, here's a card, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, that's a lot of us right now. We got the card in our car, we're gonna show it to mom's house or mail it to her or whatever. Maybe we need to toss the card in the trash can on the way out the door and go hug her and spend a few minutes just saying, will you please forgive me? I have not treated you the way I should this year. I love you. Please forgive me for not honoring you. By honoring, helping, assisting our parents, Adults, that's how we glorify God. When we honor our parents, strive to honor our parents. The Lord will sanctify you through that. You'll see real quick where your heart is. Try to honor your father and your mother the way that the, God, that the Lord calls you. And you will really quickly see where your fears are and where your wants are. You will find your idols there. And you'll see what keeps you from doing the very thing that God has called us to do. And as you fight against it and you strive to honor them, then you will also be sanctified. And he will use your desire to honor your father and your mother in a way that will sanctify you and cause you to be more submissive, more humble, more kind, and, and, and cause you to be an example to all of us. And by honoring your mother in the same way that children obey their parents and honor them, as we strive to honor our parents, we will become examples of Christ-likeness for them. They will see your desire to honor them. They will see the change. They will hear your repentant words and then the actions that take place post-repentance and your desire to love them, to speak highly of them, to honor them and respect them. And in doing so, they, they, will, they will see Christ in you. And then if they say, what in the world happened to you? You say, I read Deuteronomy 5.16. Man, I'm not pulling it off. I love you and I need to honor you. My father has called me to honor you. And, and immediately you become, you begin to speak the truth of Jesus Christ to them. Do not dishonor your mother for any temporary gain in this world. Finally, the third point, do not dishonor your mother for self-righteousness. If you want to flip over to Matthew 15, Matthew 15, 1 through 9, this is a, a different account. It's a much more sinister and devious, complicated way to dishonor our, our mother, our parents. And she, this, this dishonor is usually paved by religion and man-made traditions. If we think too highly of ourselves, then we can begin to replace the imperative commands of God for our own subjective traditions or, or even what we might call convictions. And we can redefine the words that God has commanded us and undermine the intent of the very word that we should be submitting to. If you look at Matthew 15, 1 through 9, Matthew 15, 1 through 9, it says, then some, then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem. And they said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he, Jesus, answered them and said to them, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father and his mother. And by this you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips but their heart is far away from me and in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. The Pharisees created many traditions, many times based on minute little parts of scripture, pieces of scripture, or even commentaries of pieces of scripture. 
And they used their tradition to override foundational principles and commands that God had spoken to his children and desired them to submit to. In particular, in this case, honoring their parents. In Matthew 23, there's a whole list of woes that, that Jesus says to the Pharisees. And, and, and one of them hits the heart of this. In Matthew 23, 23 to uh, 24, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these things, or I'm sorry, but these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. It was fine for them to tithe their spices, but not to do that as they're neglecting mercy, as they're neglecting forgiveness as they're neglecting faithfulness and justice. You cannot take nuances of scripture and try to obey those little things and put weight to that that undermines or overrides the weightiest things that God has called us to do. We can do this all the time. Take a pithy little proverb, a pithy little proverb, and use that to override a call to reconcile, to have mercy to forgive others, to love others in the way that God has loved you because you can point to some little nuance in scripture that gives you that loophole and way out so that you don't have to submit to the word of God. How often do we do that as adults? Honor your father and mother is one of the 10 commandments. It could not be more explicit. And it's repeated six times in the New Testament. And five of those six times is because the people that are supposed to be the ones exemplifying it the most as the leaders of the people are in fact not only not doing it, but even praising themselves for not doing it. Because they're doing something, other, uh, something else, something better, something that is more holy. They say, whatever I have is given to God. And so they don't honor their father and mother. This could have come from Leviticus 27, 28. One of the things that, that the law says in Leviticus 27, 28 says, Nevertheless, anything which a man sets apart to the Lord out of all that he has, whether man or animal or fields or his own property, shall not be sold or redeemed. So you chose to take something that God gave you and you set it apart as unto the Lord. Therefore, you yourself in a way, do not own that thing anymore. It is given to the Lord. And then he goes on to say, anything devoted to destruction as well is most holy to the Lord, set apart to the Lord, and is not for anyone to, to, to partake of or to have. And then very shortly after this command, after this was spoken, you had this guy Achan, who during the battle of Jericho took some of the stuff that was devoted to the Lord for himself, which not only caused his own death and the death of his family, but the death of many of Israel through this one man's disobedience. So much that later he was called the troubler of Israel because he disobeyed the word of the Lord. He wanted things of this earth so bad that he took things that were not his, that were of the Lord, and he stole it away from himself and hid it. So I imagine, just making this up, but the Pharisees could easily have pitched it like this. But you know, mother, father, they come in, they, get, they need help. And they say, well, mother, whatever I have has been given to God. I've set it aside unto the Lord. It's no longer mine. And lest I be like, like Achan, who partook of the things given over to God for himself, the troubler of Israel that caused the death of many. Mother, be warm. And be filled. I mean, you can hear it. So holy, so righteous. It's Bible stuff everywhere. And Jesus says, no, no, it is wicked. Here's a quote, a quote by John MacArthur in uh, one of his commentaries. Um, and uh, I thought this was a good quote. He says, an ancient rabbi said, there are 10 parts of hypocrisy in the world, nine at Jerusalem and one everywhere else. The same might be said of much of the church. Satan has no greater allies than hypocrites who go under the guise of God's people. And hypocrites have no greater ally than tradition because tradition can be followed mechanically 
and thoughtlessly, without conviction, sincerity, or purity of heart. Because traditions are made by men, and they can be accomplished by men. They require no faith, no trust, no dependence upon God. And not only that, but they appeal to the flesh by feeding pride and self-righteousness. Because traditions require no integrity of heart, they are easily substituted for true worship and obedience. And that is why it is easy for people to honor God with their lips while their hearts are far away from him. God always desires for all of his people to always honor their mothers. It is always God's will for you to honor your mother if you take his name. If you continue to look at the Old Testament, there's many other things that the Lord says about honoring your parents. You can see the heart of God. You can see his intention. In Exodus 21, 15 and 17, he says that anyone who hits or curses his father and mother is to be killed immediately. God takes this very seriously. In Deuteronomy 27, 16, he says anyone who dishonors his father and mother was to be cursed by God, to be under the the current judgment of the Lord as they live. In Leviticus 21, 1 through 3, even the priests who had been set apart by God and were to come into no contact with anything dead were permitted by God to become unclean in order to honor their parents when they died. In Deuteronomy 21, 13, Israel, Israel was instructed when they took captive Canaanites, pagan Canaanite captives into their camp and they became part of of Israel. They became part of the people of God. Their enemies were to be allowed to mourn the death of their mother and their father for a month because that's what God is like. God wants all mankind to honor their father and their mother and as Christians we have we have no option. We have a mandate, a command by our father to honor those that God has given us as father and mother. This is the character and the nature and the will of God. From the most religious to the most pagan, God permitted and instructed and expected that all mankind honor their parents. And when God himself became a man, he exemplified honor towards his earthly mother up to the point of death, even death on a cross. While he was hanging on a cross, while he was enduring the the wrath of Satan, the crushing of the heel of the one that would come from Eve, while he was enduring the insults and the mocking and the, 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 the physical pain and torture that came from man. In the midst of all of that, he makes time to look at his mother and to see John. And here's what it says in John 19, 25 to 27. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, to John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his household. Jesus made sure that Mary was taken care of even while he was enduring the most hostile pain and torment, something that you and I will never endure, especially the spiritual part of it that only he had the capacity to endure. And that was still a mandate that he submitted himself to and and acted out on the cross. What in your life compares to that that causes you to be able to not give your mother honor? Everything pales in comparison. Everything. We must honor our parents. First Timothy 5, 3 through 8 gives a, a warning for those that, that don't honor their mother. In First Timothy 5, he tell, Paul tells Timothy, in the church, this is the, the, the church is to take care of widows, but look what he says here. He says, honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has a, uh, I'm sorry, if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Did you hear that? Do we hear that? How easy is it for us to feel like 
They'll be okay. That's somebody else's job. I've got a lot going on. I've got 12 kids. They're all in college. They're all in elementary school. I've got a job. I've got, I've got things. I mean, we all have things. No one in here has nothing. What is it in our life that causes us to look at these things in the word of God and to be like, it's cool, I got it, you know? Rich young ruler, I've nailed that. What else? We have got to examine our hearts and we have got to submit to this truth. We must honor our mothers. Make sure that you are not dishonoring your mother under the deceptive disguise of being obedient to God. Those who are truly devoted to honoring God always honor their mothers. This is what God is like. This is what God has told us to do. This is what God exemplified in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is what the Spirit of God produces within you if he is at work within your heart This is the will of God. Honor your mothers. So what do we do about it? What do we do about that? That today is the day. Today is Mother's Day. Maybe today, what we should all do together, imagine if the whole church were to do this together in their own individual families, in their own individual lives. What an amazing testimony to the, the, the love and the greatness of Christ that would be. First and foremost, confess with the Lord where you fall short. Where is the discrepancy? Where is the sin? Where have you hung on to whatever it is in this life that causes you not to honor your mother? And and ask the Lord to forgive you. Then call your mother. Repent. Repent of your sinful ways. Resolve in your mind before you call, I will not speak of her like that ever again. I will not think that way of my mother nor speak to my spouse that way of my mother ever again. But I will speak with honor and I will love her And I will talk to her in a respectful, honoring way. And I will take care of her until the day that she dies. I will not separate myself from her anymore. And then obey, right? Confess, repent, obey. Honor your mother all the days of your life. Start by praying for her. Pray for your mother. Think honorably about her in your mind. And when the words come out of your lips, speak honorably to her and speak honorably about her to others, to your friends. When your friends get together and they start bad-mouthing their mother, you speak up and say, my mother is awesome and I'm gonna honor her because God has called me to honor her and you need to too, especially if they're Christians. Act honorably towards her. Children, we've already nailed it, right? Obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Do it quickly. Do it fully, with a happy heart, desiring to honor her. Go out of your way to submit to her and to help her, to cherish her as Jesus Christ would cherish his mother. Adults, pray. Pray that she would come to know the Lord if she doesn't know the Lord. Pray that she would be a a shining jewel of godliness and wisdom to everyone in your family. What an amazing prayer. Your mother, if she is a believer, would covet your prayers for her to be a godly woman, a woman of wisdom, a woman in your family that all of the children, all of the grandchildren, all the great-grandchildren look up to and go, I want to be like her in her submission, in her love, in the way that she treats other people. Pray for your mother that she become that. When you speak of her to your spouse, exalt her, honor her. And if the thoughts aren't right, keep the mouth closed, right? We got to do that stuff. With many words, you know. Honor her. Speak only wholesome, edifying words about her. Sometimes we just got to practice that. Let her do something. By the way, especially after this sermon, you're going to get offended here soon, right? This is what the Lord does. The way the Lord works, if you don't know this yet, write this down. The way the Lord works, you hear his word, you walk out the door, he's going to put you in a trial, a test, some sort of place of suffering. You you know, you're going to go to your mom's house today and she's like, where have you been? You know, and and immediately... (laughs) Immediately, you have a divine opportunity to do everything we just learned. You know what, Mom? I was late. Will you please forgive me? I shouldn't have talked so long at church. I love you. Forgive me for being late today. What can I do to bless you right now? How different is that than, I was at church being holy. You know, I mean, but that's what we do, right? Call her, spend time with her. Let her spend time with you and with your children and with your grandchildren or your ask her ask her if she feels honored yeah I made this mistake in seminary you know husbands you got to love your wife lay down your life for your wife I I thought I was nailing that I had her every single day right there in the middle of the schedule 
from 4 to 5 o'clock, Kinsey time. Yeah, a study, study, Kinsey time. Study, 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 you know? And uh, did that for a little while, you know? Professors say, you loving your wife? Absolutely, Kinsey time, you know? And so then I, I said, I, I, I guess I asked her one day. I can't remember how it all came about. I asked her, and she was like, I mean, she totally did not feel like I, she, I was giving her any time. And I could point to it. I got the facts right here. You want to see the emails? You want to see the facts? Here's like four hours this week, five hours the week before. I took you on a date, February 14th. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's not how that works. Ask your mother, mom, do you feel like I honor you in the way that I speak to you, in the amount of time that I spend with you, in the way that I interact with you when I'm around you? Do you feel honored? Do you feel respected? Do you feel like I treat you in the way that you should be treated? And then she's like, well, I know you're busy. You said, no, that's not an excuse. I know you got kids and all that going. No, no, I need to honor you. Thank you for your kindness. You honor your mother. And then finally provide for her, assist her, help her, make room for her. As she passes out of this world, you care for her like she cared for you when you came into this world and you honor your mother to the end. This is what the people of God are like. This is what Christ is like. This is what we're called to do. And this will be hard. Like everything else that the Lord calls us to do in this life as there is present sin and as we fight against our own wickedness. If you think it's easy and you think you nailed it, go back and read the rich young ruler or go back and read what he said to the Pharisees and then get on your face and repent and go and honor your mother. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity that we have a national holiday where we will all, in some way today, honor our mothers. Whether that's praying for them, whether that's thanking you for the life that they lived, whether that's seeing them, spending time with them, whatever it may be, help us to make the most of today and every single day after this. Help us to speak differently of our mothers. Help us to think differently of our mothers. Help us to give them honor in the way that Christ honored his mother and help us to honor them because we are submitting to your instruction and we want to honor you. Father, we all need your help to do this. None of us in this room is capable of doing this in the the way that you've called us to apart from the, the spirit of God within us. And we pray, Lord, give us patience. Give us humility. Give us a broken heart. Give us a desire to obey you and to honor our parents in the way that you would call us to so that they see Christ in us and that when the words of Christ come out of our lips, that they match the character and the life that our parents witness daily. We pray this in your heavenly name. Amen.